I can't answer what is an artist. It's too big a question. I just never thought any of my work was ever important. The middle child never feels that anything is fair. He's the black sheep. I don't think anyone ever grows up wanting to be a stained glass artist. It just kind of finds you. Why are you doing this? Because I didn't get into medical school. Everything I did that had a foundation in common sense, I always failed in. Judson has the largest stained glass window in the world to make. But everything I did when I dreamed something intensely, I always got it. We just didn't understand who could possibly want a window this big. The church has 20,000 members. This expansion will allow for them to take many more. And others who have questioned if $90 million is excessive. That sounds like a crazy amount of money. It sounds absurd, actually. Are you guys going to make the church's deadline? No. We're making something that's never been done before. We don't know how we're going to do this. Joining me today on Moving Radio is two guests who are going to be part of the closing night film of the Edmonton International Film Festival. That's right. You know it's got to be special if they're going to put you on the closing night of any festival whatsoever. It's Justin S. Monroe, director, producer, and writer of this film, and Tim Carey, the subject and the artist in the film Holy Frit. Holy Frit is the documentary that you can see as the closing night film of the Edmonton International Film Festival on Saturday, October 9th at 6.30 p.m. And there'll be an encore screening as well, Sunday, October 10th at 1.30 p.m. And both of those screenings are happening at the Landmark Cinemas City Center. That's downtown. That's right. Edmontonians, it's open for the festival. So you want to get out there and check it out. Justin and Tim, welcome to the program. What's happening, Christian? Thank you. Hi. Very good to meet you. Thanks for having us. And Justin, it is a pleasure. Uh, we're excited to have you on the show, not only because it's a really fascinating film, but, you know, here's the thing is that, you know, Tim himself, I'm like, the journey you go on in this, this narrative slash your own life is unbelievable. So we're going to kind of dive a little bit into that and maybe give the audience a little context as to what Holy Frit is about. You know, the film revolves around a seemingly antiquated art form, some say, uh, a piece of art the size of a basketball court at least, and an overprotective uh, genius, I guess, and so much Frit. Give us an idea of what the film is about. Is this me we're talking to here? This sure. is Justin. <laughs> yeah, Justin, you can go um, first. Well, this film it rests on the shoulders of Mr. Tim Carey, which is in the box below me right now. And uh, Tim Carey bids against 60 other companies from around the world for the chance at making the biggest stained glass window in the world. Now, I'm not a stained glass guy. And when I say it out loud, it almost makes me go, really? You're making a movie about a stained glass? But that's not what drew me. Tim Carey, he lands the job for his company, Judson Studios. And Tim knows that he doesn't exactly know how to do the job. He does not know how to make the biggest stained glass window in the world. And everything is riding on it. 120-year-old company is riding on it. Tim's legacy is riding on it. And so as he is freaking out and trying to figure out what the hell am I going to do, he starts a desperate search and stumbles upon this guy named uh, this maestro, glass maestro named Narcissus Quagliata. So if you can imagine a name like that, you know, he's got to be amazing. And because Tim designed something that the problem is he, 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 Tim is amazing at stained glass, but he designed something that stained glass does not do. 
And so Tim really wanted to pull off his design, but stained glass doesn't do what he did. And so he went searching for someone that might have the answer and he stumbles upon Narcissus. And he thought, okay, this guy's world famous. What the, how am I going to get to him? And if I do, will he like me or he like the project? And that's exactly what happened. Tim found him, got into a class, a limited class, made Narcissus fall in love with him and fall in love with the project. And he came back and he was very hesitant at first, but ultimately decides to join Tim on this journey. And it is a three-year race against time and insanity ensues. Oh, I think that's more than enough. Tim, as much as, you know, in, in many ways, you're a centerpiece of the film, but I look at you and I can understand why Justin was like, well, this is going to be interesting and fun because this guy just is interesting and fun. Tell us a little bit about how you ran into Justin and maybe what were your thoughts at first about doing this project? Running into Justin was sort of very um, circumstantial. We were neighbors. He moved in next door to me. We became friends because we both liked to drink beer. During during some of those long evenings drinking beer, we got to talking, and uh, you know the way the movie happened was just that we were talking, and and he found that what I was doing was interesting, and uh, I needed his help doing a pr- promo for to try to land this job because the the idea here, the reason that we did a design that couldn't be done was because the church itself was not really interested in just doing a traditional typical stained glass window. I mean, if you see in the in the movie. The window is in the front of the church and it's massive and it, and it stares you down like a movie screen. And that's not typical for stained glass. So usually we do stained glass in the sides of the church, in the nave, where they're up and to the side. And if you want to look at it, you can turn up and look at them. This window, because it was so different and the church was so contemporary and it was such a lucrative, valuable, life-changing job, I had to do something that was out of this world and so design something out of this world so setting that premise up i think for justin was exciting because he it was like i'm going to design this and then we're going to figure out how to do it because if i just design any old stained glass window the tried and true method they're not going to we're not going to get the job they're going to go with the fancy german firm contemporary firm so let's design something and then we will absolutely figure out how to do it come hell or high water and so when 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 the promo got done and justin found out kind of the, how the thing was progressing he just decided to keep filming and keep shooting and, 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 you know, asking everybody's permission and, and talking to David, the owner of the company and talking to myself and, and, uh, and just embedding himself with us um, day in, day out. And, and we just figured he'd eventually get bored. But I think what happened over time was the thing started out as this big dreamy project. And then all these other interesting facets came in. And every time a new facet came in, Justin just got more and more embedded and more and more intense. And the longer he was around, the more we forgot about him, the more we were able to be ourselves. And I think that's how he captured a lot of some of the great footage that, that comes through in the movie. So it was great. It was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. You don't get an opportunity in your life to have somebody follow you around and tell your story uh, as, a, as a, what am I? Am I still a young adult, a Gen Z, Gen Xer? I'm in my 40s. I have three young kids. And it's just cool to have a record of that time that was dynamic and formative. And um, so, yeah. We're speaking via Zoom with Justin S. Monroe, director of the film Holy Frit, as well as Tim Carey, who is the subject and the artist featured in the film. You can catch it as part of the Edmonton International Film Festival on Saturday, October 9th at 6.30 p.m. And there'll be an encore screening on Sunday, October 10th at 1.30 p.m., both of which take place at the landmark City Center Cinemas 9. 
Tim kind of led into the the next thing I was going to ask Justin you about is that this story would have been enough, honestly, to just get the pitch of Judson Studios to get this. And and even Tim, the responsibility you have to take in order to, to you know, even just get the approval from the board or, or the approval from the city itself. Mm. You know, talk to us a little bit, Justin, about how you negotiated what stories you needed to tell, because it felt like after that moment happened is that's when this really all blossomed. And, and tell us about how you wanted this story to evolve and how it started unfolding in ways you maybe even didn't even predict. As I mentioned a second ago, I'm not a stained glass guy. I actually had no idea about stained glass other than just seeing it in churches or wherever, right? You know, and occasionally in a, in a hotel or something like that. I had no connection to stained glass at all. Uh, it's beautiful, but I just had no interest in it. What I was interested in were the characters. And you have Tim, who is just a natural character as a human being. I'm, I'm interested in the human clashes. Uh, I always have been. And so, you know, I knew that this thing had to be built on on characters, not on, you know, an idea. And I knew that it had to rest on the shoulders of Tim. I mean, he was the one who was knighted to do this thing. Everything was on his shoulders. As he said, come hell or high water, he had to pull it off. So as much as he might learn from Narcissus, he was the one that was responsible for pulling the thing off. And I found that very interesting that he had never done anything like this. Not, you know, he'd done stained glass, but never done anything of the size. And he had never done this style, this new medium. Everything about it was new, new, new. There was no playbook for this. And I felt like that was an amazing premise. But um, as Narcissus, Narcissus's, such an interesting way, and Tim's relationship grew, I didn't know where this was going to go. You know, was Narcissus going to take over the project? Uh, was he going to let Tim rise? Uh, all these questions came came up along the way. Uh, you know, the question of, is it okay to make a $90 million building and a multi-million dollar window, you know, in a church? Is that is that an okay thing to do? I loved these questions. and um, But ultimately, what I loved about the project was it was a race against time. And, and it, the stakes were, I, you know... It, Maybe you think it's crazy, like, oh, you've got to deliver by Easter of 2017 and you start in 2014. And it's like, all right, if you miss the deadline, whatever. But Adam Hamilton, he ain't messing around, man. I mean, Adam Hamilton is the head of the biggest mainline church in America. He spoke at August, uh, Obama's second inauguration. He, he does not miss deadlines. And so when he said something was going to happen, it damn well is going to happen. And so and, and Judson knew that. Tim and Narcissus knew that. And I was like, holy moly, this is amazing. They don't know what the hell they're doing and they have to pull it off. And, and so, um, you know, I knew it needed to be a character drama. I knew it was going to, Tim was going to be our guide. He was going to be the way in which the audience could connect. I knew that it was going to be this amazing conflict between him and Narcissus. And I knew they were going to try to pull off something in an unbelievable timeline with, a technique they had never done. I mean, not even Narcissus, who is the inventor of this technique, had actually done anything like this in his whole career. So he was scared shitless, man. He really was. That was interesting to me. Tim, what were your feelings of being inside of this film, which is your life, you know, as it unfolds? And then to, to end up living through it, getting through the other side of this project, and then reflecting on it again to watch it in this like, 
nice, neat and tidy package of like, oh, in less than two hours, that was quite an intense experience. What's that like for you to watch it and not just be like, that's the story of it, but I lived it. Well, it's weird. It is weird because, you know, obviously I've been tied in with Justin on this thing for however many years it is now, six or seven years. So I've been essentially involved with two projects. One project was The Window, which ended in 2017. And then the movie, which, you know, I saw a few early cuts of and I gave my opinion on. And, you know, I've, I've been watching Justin blow by blow go through the whole thing. So in some ways it's weird because I, I think of it as like before The Window started, it looked like a giant mountain that I had to climb and I couldn't imagine getting to the top and getting over it. Now, years later, I look back on it and I go, wow, I don't remember doing that totally. But now the movie, the way it's been edited and like you said, packaged and cut down to two hours is now my memory. You know, it's sort of replaced my, my real memory. You know, it's, it's sort of become the, the things that I remember the most, even though a million other things happened, which could, you know, be five or six movies or a miniseries. But to me, the thing that I'm most kind of grateful for for it is that it wasn't just a kind of um, chronological story. Oh, here's Tim. He's going to make this window. Here we go. He's going to do it. Here's this other guy. It, it was just because the fact that we had all these entities, we had the church who had a lot to lose. We had, you know, David Judson and his company, and he had a lot to lose. Narcissus, his legacy. I mean, I, I'm the one who had the least to lose because I was sort of a young guy who didn't whatever happened happened but because everybody in these places gave justin the carte blanche right which is german for do what the fuck you want <laughs> right i don't know what that means white the cart, the cart but it basically means that they gave him the access and because he had that access to the truth and he they let him tell the story how he wanted to they didn't say oh you got to cut this out oh you don't don't tell him i said this don't tell him i said that he let us all be human beings and he let the the story be real and that's i think what people have connected with is that these are not perfect people but but ultimately everybody wins in the end everybody's happy it's not some sort of bleak story about people you know or harsh realities of life it's a fun happy story about people who all kind of win in the end and we don't have a lot of that and, and for me to be part of that like i said is just in the middle of it it was weird but now looking back on it it's just very gratifying we're talking about the closing night film of the Edmonton International Film Festival. It is called Holy Frit. You can check it out on Saturday, October 9th at 6.30 p.m. and an encore screening on Sunday, October 10th at 1.30 p.m., both at the Landmark City Center Cinemas downtown. You know, what I liked about this film is that there are obvious things that it addresses about faith, and that's based on maybe the artwork and the fact that it's going to be placed in a church itself. But I think it goes uh, so much deeper than necessarily like the religious belief in that. I think it's about Tim, your journey about the faith and your ability to be able to complete a project that's like this and, and to push yourself into a different format and different medium than you've done before to be able to trust the people around you, to be able to understand that you're a leader. Talk to me about all these different kind of levels of, I guess, faith that bleed in and out of this story for yourself, Justin, and for Tim. Tim, do you want to go first just to shake it up? Go first. I want you to go first. Oh, me go first. Okay. You keep touching on these things. I really was fascinated by, you know, there's religious faith and then there's general faith, right? That we have to have in ourselves or whatever it is we're doing. And most people think of faith, they think about, you know, a reverence for something. You had to have faith in so many things. You had to have faith in your ability to be scrappy. You had to have faith in your ability to like do something you've never done before. 
The church had to have faith in this ragtag group of people that they, they cast their lot with. Narcissus had to have faith that his legacy wasn't going to get smeared through the mud, you know, uh, on, this, on this guy who'd never done it before. Um, but I loved the idea. Well, I, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem at all with religious faith. Uh, but I found this to be really interesting, this, this clash between the reverent and the irreverent in this movie. I loved that. You know, you've got this beautiful window that's going to be around for hundreds of years that, that, that's going to inspire people to worship their deity. And as it's being made, you know, you've got Tim dropping anatomy jokes, you know, in the middle of it. And I just thought, but yet he's doing it with the utmost faith, true reverence for the subject matter and jumping off the bridge. He, he, he is a person of faith, but yet I loved him. He's, he's a flawed human being. And I found that the way in which he approached faith was so palatable. And I, I found it really refreshing because you don't really get that from someone. You don't get to see a person who's in the, in the beginning part of their faith journey and who wears it on their sleeve, who's honest about the fact that they're a broken human being and has no problem swearing and drinking like a sailor, you know, and I thought that was so amazing. So for me, I loved the fact that there was this reverence and this irreverence that was running alongside each other the whole way through. For me, I mean, I've been working in stained glass for 12 years and I've been an artist for, you know, 20 or so, 25. You know, I remember doing a mural when I was 23 years old where the very fancy, wealthy, rich client asked me, sitting in his dining room, we're looking up at these giant walls around his dining room and he said, can you do this project? He wanted me to do these 12 foot uh, paintings way up high um, surrounding this atrium. I'm scared of heights, so which that wasn't good for me. And these are blank white walls. And he's like, we've got a year to do it. Can you do it? And I was sitting there with his wife and I've learned how to say yes to things that I didn't know if I could do them or not. And I, and I did that multiple times over and over and over again. And I do know that you have to, you have to say yes and you have to trust yourself. And there's not just one way to do it. You just trust that you're going to find a way. And I don't know if that's faith or if it's just experience and knowing that we're going to do it. You know, the nice thing about like the work day, right, is it's eight hours. Like we're, we're, so, we're like expected to work eight hours a day. That's the normal work day. We all do that. Maybe in Canada, you guys work less. I don't know. Canadians, you guys have your own weird traditions. But, how many days? <laughs> but like the reality is like the beauty of the way we set this up is that there's 24 hours in a day. If we have to work twice as hard, we'll work twice as hard. If we have to work weekends, we'll work weekends. It never felt unattainable to me, and and I knew that that the people that that we had around us, especially after we got Narcissus, we're gonna make it happen. It's like it's the it's the beauty of teamwork and and collaboration that that got it all to happen. So you know, it's just and I'm doing the same thing literally, guys, right now. I've told a client of mine that I'm gonna finish four giant windows for their church here in Covina by the end of the year, and I'm looking at my calendar and I'm like, this is not adding up. This is not. You know, uh, my faith in math is not looking good right now because the calendar days are going to go away. But it's just what I do. And, I, you know, Narcissus has been doing it for 40, 50 years, too. He's been living on the high wire. And that's kind of the thing that we do as artists. When you're doing big projects, you just live on that wire and you embrace it and, and you figure it out. I, so I want to jump in here real quick. You know, so it's Tim has the... Um has the experience now of having watched the film many, many times, you know, we've been to, you know, a number of festivals and, and it's just amazing to me. And, and, and this happens, but it's easy for him to look back on it. Now it's easy for me to look back on it now and go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was going to happen the whole time. But honestly, you, you were terrified 
in, 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 in moments along the way. I was terrified. I, I didn't, I was terrified for you. And, you know, and, and, and although it did have, uh, you know, a, a dynamic, fun ending, we had no clue what the hell was going to happen. And you had no clue what was going to happen. And so it's kind of hard to divorce yourself from what you know. But in the midst of it, you definitely weren't 100% sure. Well, nobody ever is. I mean, are we going to have an argument now right in the middle of this? <laughs> we sure the hell are. You know, but that's what that's what's so great about the movie. You know, that's what was exciting about that dynamic is that I got to watch you you change in real time. I mean, how often do you get to do that? And, and you're, of course, yeah. Like, I'm, I, I look back on it a little differently, but my, my point was just that it's not, you never are 100% of anything. Like, people say, well, do you think you're going to get it done? I don't know. Like nobody knows that we, who knows what the hell could happen along the way. Bullseye had their factory shut down. You don't know what's going to happen, but you have the balls to keep going because you have to. And it's the, the alternative is boring. It's, it's stupid and lame just to say, I can't do it. You know, it's so much more fun and exciting to, to put yourself into this, this crazy world. And, you know, um, and I'll keep doing it. You know, I will. I mean, I'm, we're doing it now still. All right. Exactly. So, <laughs> you're promoting a film and you're going to finish that stuff by the end of the year. And, yeah. uh, and you're even going to travel here, which we'll talk about in a sec. Can you take me fishing up there? Well, yeah, for sure. There's, there's fish everywhere. You know, we could go to the side of the river, the North Saskatchewan, Jim. We'll just, we'll okay. drop a line in there. It's only a few blocks away from the theater. It'll be good to go. Okay. Right? Sorry for the question. I got so many exciting things about Canada that I, oh, that don't I, worry. That I want to, I want to go visit some of my ex Canadian girlfriends up there too. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, those are stories you told your friends. Let's be honest, because we know we we know who are the American boyfriends. Trust us. We <laughs> all gonna, know. I'm going to save my good stories for when we're in in Edmonton. Okay, well, that's Real for sure. Do that. <laughs> you know, one of the people that you both have mentioned several times, who but who's not on this call, is Narcissus. You've given a little bit of context about you know who he is and and where he's come from and how he's kind of created his own career uh, outside of this film and and how he kind of added to it. But I think you know, for me, the fascinating part was. You know, I was I was continually in in your corner, Tim, uh, maybe just because you're the person that started to lead me through the film in so many different ways. But that relationship and the complexity of it and what you were both trying to give and take made it endlessly fascinating is, is you know, you both had the same end goal, but you're completely different artists with respect for each other but have seen you two negotiate your own boundaries at times was was really fascinating tim maybe can you just give us a little bit more about that relationship uh with narciss and that it simply goes so much further beyond than just trying to finish this project it was kind of amazingly you know not only serendipitous to the fact that he was in Denver, which is not far away, and he's normally flying all around the world. He happened to be nearby, happened to be sharing these techniques with a class. But not, not only that, but the first day we met, we hit it off. I mean, it was just like one of those one of those things that happens to you very few times, if ever, in your life, that you just go, "Wow, I've just met somebody who is going to be like my best friend for a long time." I knew that right away, and the guy's you know forty years older than me, but it didn't matter. We shared the same kind of interest in aesthetics, the same favorite artists. I, as an artist, you're always trying to find a connection with somebody. And I never had that, you know, not through art school, not after art school, not in the gallery world. I mean, I had teachers and people that I liked. I had people that helped me, 
never had somebody who I was like, this is the guy, this is the person who is, you know, what I want to be, who inspires me to be better than I am. All of, all of those stupid cliches. I knew that from him on day one. So it really helps to go through a process where you're going to struggle and you're going to fight and you're going to battle. If you have that underlying foundational care and respect for each other. And because we had that, we could tolerate all of the stupid fights we were going to have about the design, about who, when I was going to frit and who I was going to frit and when he was going to come and when he was going to go. I mean, so many ups and downs that never threatened our relationship because, like I said, it was so strong foundationally. And it still is, you know, no matter what, I, I gone through Judson and left and he's still there. And, you know, we still are very much connected. So, you know, I'm really, really lucky that I met him when I did and that, you know, he's this paradoxical figure who on one hand could be the most kind of aloof, narcissistic, no pun intended, you know, selfish person seemingly. And then in the next moment he's engaged and wanting to know how you're doing and how your life is and how he can help you and how he can humble himself. You know, he's just, he's, he's an amazing guy. And, and, I, and I just was, I was blessed to have that time with him. And Justin, for you, I mean, you know, you've already kind of established that there was a relationship with you guys being neighbors and kind of knowing each other as friends. This being your first feature doc, did you feel like that kind of proximity to to Tim and maybe in the investment you have in him as a person already before you even start filming? Did that help you get to places that you might never have been able to go or get that kind of level of honesty? Mm-hmm. Or did you feel like that that made it challenging at times because I'm like, how objective am I being? How easy is it for me to separate myself from the subject? That's a good question. And, and, you know, I wondered that, but it's crazy. I did not know Tim at all. I I mean, I move in next door to him and that is how our relationship developed was me putting a camera in his face. So as I was learning about Tim for the movie, I was, that was the first time I was learning about Tim. I don't know if anybody else makes friendships by saying, Hey, I want to do a documentary about you, but our entire foundation of our relationship started from day one of me making this movie. I mean, I knew very little about him, just, just a little bit here and there. That's interesting. I, I, I was fascinated by him. I was fascinated to see he wasn't an artsy fartsy guy, yet he's extremely talented, truly, in, in some ways, kind of genius. And, and in other ways, I love that he, you know, is more into sports and, and kicking back with a beer than he is. He doesn't give two shits about art or about his own art, you know? And I found that to be so refreshing and such a juxtaposition to Narcissus. He, he, he approached art very differently than Tim. And yet they, they, they were so different and yet so similar. I, it, it was weird. And, and I still keep looking back on how did these people, all these people, because there's so many characters in this film that are interesting, how the hell did this collection of people just literally flop upon my doorstep in my life? And this is my first you know, feature doc. I've done other features, but they're narratives. I didn't want to be a doc guy. I'm not a doc guy. But now I am a doc guy. I freaking love doing documentaries now. And I know I will do more. I didn't think about whether I was crossing a line or, 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 or catering to Tim. I was just fascinated by what was happening and what was coming out of his mouth. And to, as Tim said, he was very open. He said, look, dude, make the film you need to make. So I didn't feel, feel afraid about, oh, can I do this or can I? He, he just was raw for me. And man, that was refreshing. And I had no limitations. So that never got in the way, never once. 
We're speaking today via Zoom with Justin S. Monroe and Tim Carey about the documentary film Holy Freight. It's going to be closing the Edmonton International Film Festival. Check it out Saturday, October 9th at 6.30 p.m. And also as well, Encore Screening Sunday, October 10th at 1.30 p.m. at Landmark City Center Cinemas. Uh, gentlemen, you are going to be shutting down the festival in some ways on that Saturday night. Very exciting. And what's even more exciting, especially in times like these, is the fact that you will actually be able to be in-house to watch the film with an audience. Talk to us a little bit about, I mean, you know, Justin, you've been here two times before already. This will be a third time. Talk to us a little bit about that, uh, the feeling of the festival experience, to be able to share something like this that for both of you is deeply personal with an audience and what that feels like to be able to be in those kind of experiences and see it with a crowd it's definitely weird uh, we expect you guys to really be providing a lot of alcohol for us right before the screening that helps to get through it um, usually I'm very very drunk and, and very very uh, <laughs> sometimes even sleeping I might be sleeping so I've, I've avoided some of the real difficult weirdness by through that but um, no I mean it's it's always going to be strange watching yourself on a big screen we've only done it twice until now this will be a very different location for us i mean i'm not going to know anybody up there i mean some of my ex-girlfriends will probably come because they're they follow me around usually all the time so they'll probably be there but otherwise that's going to be a whole bunch of new people which i'm excited about you know i i think the thing that's fun is you know i i, I kind of cringe at some of the way that i speak and my jokes and you know i'm sort of like embarrassed to see myself up there so I find it interesting and I hope you hope we get a big crowd in Edmonton to see what it is that people respond to. You know, like I, I find myself like, oh, wow, they laughed at that. Oh, wow, they really got like, you know, quiet right in that moment. It's it's really fun to be able to see that with people. You know, 80, 90% of the festivals we've done have all been virtual. So, you know, you get nothing back. You don't have any sort of communal experience. So it's going to be fun in, in a new place, in a new country. We've been fortunate in that we've played a number of festivals, but most of them, except for two, have been virtual. We started off at Slam Dance and did well, you know. And and you know what what virtual has allowed is a lot of people who would not have been able to attend Slam Dance in Florida and all these places have been able to watch it online. And so more eyeballs have seen the film than ever would in a typical festival run. But you don't make movies for somebody to, to you know, especially in the beginning, for them to just pipe it into their their homes and not be able to experience it. You want to start off by understanding. I was so in love with this project, even though it's crazy to think that I'm doing a movie about stained glass. And, and I know that people probably hear it immediately and they go, why would I want to go watch that? But to see people get won over by what's happening before them. I just turned on a camera and these things actually occurred. Man, I was watching, you know, I loved watching the movie as it was being made. You know, I'm just grateful that I was there. And so to be able to share something that's so niche, but yet so special, and it tears down the walls of what can be entertainment in a little niche world. It, I felt like it transcended those lines of being small. It opened itself up because I think we all know what it is to take on something that's bigger than the sum of its parts. You could be an attorney, you can be a doctor, you can be an architect, you can be an artist, you could be any, anyone doing anything. We know what it is to get in over our heads. And that's what we're watching. We're watching humans struggle through something that they cannot pull off. It seems impossible. What's going to happen? And that is meant to be watched with an audience. So there's that part that's just that I, I, I love watching. It's been so amazing to do that twice. 
but to do it in Edmonton, the place that literally gave me my start, truly gave me my start and in professional filmmaking, whatever you want to call it. The Edmonton International Film Festival is, uh, this is so special to me. I cannot wait to get there. And I cannot wait because your audience, you guys are a fantastic audience. You're an amazing audience. Honestly, my best screening experiences at that festival. And I cannot wait to bring this film there. So I'm just busting at the scenes, man. Well, we're, we're excited for you, Justin, for sure. And uh, we're glad you bring Tim and this incredible film. Honestly, people, uh, you want to make sure you check this out, not only because the prestige maybe of a closing night thing, but whatever element of this film that attracts you, uh, if you get attracted to, you know, the fact that you're like, oh, I want to be able to see this giant stained glass picture because of maybe your own religious connected to it. I'm like, it's an amazing story just about that piece of art. It is an amazing story about watching someone really kind of push themselves to the wall and challenge themselves like Tim, as well as this idea of what we feel like the limitations of ourselves are. It's it's inspirational at several different levels. And I commend both of you. And I'm so glad, especially for you, Tim, you came out the other end. Because uh, halfway through, I was like, oh, boy, I hope this ends the way I want it to. <laughs> I, really, I really hope this ends. More, Justin, probably in the middle of it, was like, oh, me too. But, uh, oh, man, this is, it's, uh, it's a really incredible journey. So congratulations to both of you and everyone else involved with the film as well. And we can't wait to see you guys here. Awesome. Thank you, Christian, very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Christian. Good talking to you. Looking yeah. forward to meeting you in, in uh, Canada. <laughs> Narcissus. He is to stained glass what somebody like Steven Spielberg is to filmmaking or Michael Jordan is to shoes. There's our guy flying in to save us. Okay, here it comes. The whole place feels to me that it's in the Stone Age. This piece has to be a masterpiece. It can't be finished. The people in that community for 500 years are going to look at something you did that sucks. Oh. Have to just fly back, anybody know? Are you planning on cutting all this? I don't know, we're failing pretty miserably. Oh shit, what happened to our kill? Did I poison the neighborhood? We've been getting death threats. So there's a pattern developing here. I think I'm the problem. I know exactly what he's going through. Tim, uh, we're a little worried about the cracks in it. Is that something you guys can fix? So can we have one more year to finish the one? <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> it's almost like Mickey Mouse that goes off the cliff and he falls only when he looks down kind of felt like I might die. It's kind of like that. All my life I've been involved with glass and I've never seen that. Sometimes you gotta grab a meal on the run. You're working in the biggest window in the world. Oh, I gotta change my life. <laughs>